Hey everyone, welcome to The Lead, where we discuss the news and events happening in the community of Ganawage. In this episode, we discuss the land development issue with a neighboring community, back-to-school plans, reservation dogs, and Ganawage minor sports. My name is Jordan Standup, I'm the assistant editor here at Yuriwaze, and today I have two special guests with me. I have Yuriwaze editor and publisher, Mr. Greg Horn, and I also have our contributing writer, Mark Lalone. So welcome today, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? Not too bad, Jordan. I'm doing wonderful, although I would like to take issue with um, not getting a Mr. in front of my name like Greg did. Mr. Mark Lalone, our contributing writer extraordinaire. That's very kind of you. So as always, we're getting together to talk about some of the news and events that are happening in and around our community. And of course, something that is happening very, very close to our community is a land development. And that is happening in the neighboring community of Shadigi, which is very, very close to some parcel of lands that are of particular interest to to Gunawage. And no, Greg, you've been following this extensively and you've actually been out to the actual uh, the location. So are you able to tell us a little bit about what's happening there? This is this is a probably a land dispute that's been ongoing uh, for 300 years, uh, although it's not really been at the forefront. And so the, the parcel of land we're talking about, if you go on the end, end of the old Chattagee Road, there's a parcel of land and it's referred to as Parcel E, uh, which was formally returned to the community in, in 20, May 2018. The dispute is going on in land that's directly adjacent to that and on the western boundary of the community, it's it, it attaches to that piece of land, and it's the only undeveloped land on the western boundary of Gunawage with Shadigi, and it's a part of the seniory land grievance claim. So the city of Shadigi in in May uh, March of this year rezoned uh, made a decision uh, to rezone it to allow for a residential development of two hundred and ninety homes, which include. Single family dwellings, duplexes, row houses, a big, uh, it's a big development over that, that piece of land that's directly adjacent to Parcel E. In late June, the Ganyagahaga Nation at Ganawage uh, issued a a statement saying that that it's opposed to this development uh, because it's on lands that are traditionally Ganawage lands and that any development on there would further dispossess the community from its traditional lands and territories. On July 1st, uh, while uh, many people were participating in the Canada Day, cancel Canada Day. So while people were, many people in the community were participate, participating in that, a convoy of um, men and some women and, and elders left the Longhouse on Route 207 to go to, the, to, to this parcel of land and began setting up a, a land occupation, you know, as, as a way to prevent the development of that, of, of that land. So, so the occupation is is taking place on Parcel E, and also within the the land that uh, Shadigi has has slated for development directly adjacent. It's been a quite quite a big extensive issue. Letters have been sent to the Minister of uh, Crown Indigenous Relations, uh, the Minister of, of Indian Affairs in in Quebec, and you know uh, by the Mohawks Gunawage by the, the mayor of Shadigi. The mayor of Shadigi actually went to, uh, had a meeting at the Longhouse uh, this past month, which I don't think was the best. During that meeting, he had floated the idea that the land should be purchased by the federal government, but not returned to Gunawage. And that raised a lot of eyebrows. Right? Yes. Uh, he went on the local radio station 
following this meeting and say said that the longhouse had agreed to that suggestion and you know within uh a couple of days of that the longhouse uh, issued a statement saying no we've never agreed to that that doesn't make any sense we would never agree to something like that so that was that was that the mayor had invited several media outlets uh from Gunawaga and Shadgi to uh to a little impromptu press conference uh a couple of weeks ago and where he also said yes this is what my 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 plan would be to solve this the idea w- would be to get the land purchased from the developer and a, a portion of it is also owned by the city and not return to Gunawaga but but to create a buffer zone um between the two communities to, what he said was maintain the peace um because he said that well we don't know what Gunawaga's plans are for for those lands so um, we have re- residents right there, so uh, we don't want to have anything there that would that would disturb the peace of our residents. And and you know that was a pretty bold statement on, on on the mayor's behalf. And there are some people we discussed this uh, before. There are some people living in Shadigi who do share some concerns that people from Gunawage are concerning in in regards to this land. Yeah, from from what I understand uh, from the friends I have in Shadigi is that. There's a lot of people who are opposed to this this proposed development. A lot of Shadigi residents are feeling that uh, there's other issues within their their community or their city uh, that need to be tackled first before there's another residential development. You know, if you just look on social media in the last couple of weeks, they're having a real trouble uh, with their drinking water and uh, their water system, uh, and 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 they they feel that this would be. Uh, better suited to, to 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 be dealt with before even thinking about building another almost 300 homes. And and the people that are there, Greg, I know you've been out there uh, quite a few times at the end of the OCR. And if you are driving by that area, you're not going to be able to to miss uh, where a lot of this this setup is. But what is the atmosphere like there now? I know the people said they'll be there for the long haul. Yeah, um, I mean, I think people are determined to to make sure that the development doesn't happen. As I said earlier, it's 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 one of the last or the last piece of of, of land along the the boundary between Gunawaga and Shadigi that hasn't been developed. And again, Transport Quebec had held part of that land for because the original plan for Highway 30 was for it to go down the old Shadigi Road in the 60s, and it, uh, that's why the Transport Quebec owned that land. Obviously, that didn't happen, um, but it made sense for for Quebec when they did Highway 30. They agreed to return 700 or so acres uh, of land back to the community because they were displacing that much out of the scenery land claim. So this was one of those the, the portions of land that was identified, and Quebec government owned half of that parcel, and the other portion is is within Chattagui. The mayor was very adamant during our meeting, saying that under under their system of law, that that they are the the rightful owners of that land and they could do what they want with it. And I'm pretty sure that's not going to fly with uh, you know many people in the community. If you listen to our one of our recent podcasts, well, we spoke with Kanyagahaga Nation at Kanawagi Representative uh, Joe Diom, uh, where where they were discussing that they want to. Uh, that they're there for the, the long haul, that they don't want to see any development there. And they're encouraging uh, other Gahnawake Hironu to, to go to the, the site and just have a presence, uh, you know, and, and showing this is, uh, you know, the communities united on this. I mean, this is this is a lot of noise being made by a mayor who isn't 
intending on seeking re-election. Is that right, Mark? That's uh, that's exactly accurate. Uh, this week we reported um, that Mr. Routier had uh, let people know in within his party internally that he would be sticking to his uh, one-and-done mandate promise that he made in 2017, which I believe, guys, marks the first time in recorded history that a politician has actually stuck to a promise. He said that this is a nation-to-nation Issue so that uh, you know that's why he would like to see the federal government step in you know and and he has said that his his letters to uh, Ian Lafreniere and to Carolyn Bennett uh, have both been unanswered. Uh, he's got the cursory uh, you know we acknowledge receipt of this letter uh, response and that was it. What we don't want to see uh, in this issue is is a further development of this land by outside uh, forces, you know, like we're seeing in Ganesalage 30 years, 31 years later, after after the, Oka, the so-called Oka crisis, the land issue still hasn't been resolved and there's still development and, and further disposition of land happening over there. And this is one of those issues where, you know, I think that, that we need to, to make a stand and not let this be developed further. And and one of the comments that that we've heard as we're providing this coverage to the community is that a lot of people are upset are already upset with the situation, I should say. But the fact that there is so little housing available in the community and that some of these lands that are traditionally belong to us could be used for housing for for other people continues to raise eyebrows in, in yeah. the community. Yeah, we, I mean, over over this past summer, you know, the housing issue has become, you know, one of those hot topics. It was it was an election topic because there there hasn't been any new house, houses constructed in this year, you know, due to uh, land allotments and the the asbestos issue, uh, which is which is ongoing and and the investigation into that is, is is wrapping up. But you know, there's there's a lack of uh, you know apartment buildings, uh, you know, rental properties that are uh, affordable for for a lot of people. Uh, so so housing is becoming an issue, and and the lack of housing in the community. So when uh, you know it was announced that that this land that 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 we've I was viewed as as Ganawage land is going to be used to build 290 homes in Shad- for Shadigi you know it raised some eyebrows and obviously upset a lot of people it's certainly been a, a big news item throughout the summer and it looks like it's going to continue that way and of course we're going to continue to to follow up that here at Yuriwaze it's been pretty warm out lately we're in the middle of a, a mini heat wave or maybe not a mini heat wave at this point anymore but i think if there's anything hotter than the heat lately, it's probably the Warhawks. The yes. Warhawks are in the regionals now, and I know we've all been able to uh, take in some games, and it's been really exciting. Greg, you've been at a fair share of games, including last night. Yes, the U15 Warhawks and the U18 Warhawks were tearing up the, the Lexington Louis League earlier this summer, going pretty much undefeated, you know, losing maybe a couple games here and there. But we're very doing very well that that the the league decided to bump them up from B to A. Uh, once they made it to A, it was a different story. And because of how how you know it showed that they were strong B teams, but not maybe not quite A caliber teams uh, when it came time for the regional playoffs, the league moved both these teams back down to to B. And it's been quite exciting. The U18 team uh, opened their regionals with a with a with a loss only because one of their players, they only had nine players to, to for the game because you know various reasons. Kids are working, playing lacrosse, playing football, you know, a couple different things. Uh, summer vacations uh, with school around the corner. They were only able to have nine players, 
one of those players was ejected from the game. Uh, so therefore they didn't have enough players to continue and they were, they, they, they were forced to, to forfeit the game. Uh, so they started with a loss and then they came back and, and they, on Saturday morning, they, I believe they won 15 to six. Uh, and then on Monday, they, uh, Mon- yeah, Monday, they played again in Valley field and dominated and, and, and ended up winning the game. And then on Wednesday night, uh, they they played the Lachine A's, a team that they've played uh, in the past in the regular season and, and, and was a very good competitive game. Lachine came out very strong and took a, a five nothing lead in the in, in the first half of the first uh, of the first inning. And then the Warhawks came up and, and, and they went one, two, three inning over. And then they kind of settled down. It looked like there were some nerves there. And then the rest of the game, they they, they played very strong on defense. Uh, it was a very good defensive battle uh, between the two teams. But then their bats finally got going. The, the Warhawks and they they cut the lead down to to six to three. And then going into the the, the final final inning, which is an open inning, you can uh, because in, right now you're only allowed to score five runs per inning. They they managed to tie it up six six. Uh, going into the open inning, and then uh, they took a nine to six lead, uh, and then were able to hold off the the Lachine team in their half of the open inning, and 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 to secure the win to to advance to uh, the semifinals of the regionals. And and a lot of these um, the older Warhawks teams, if you will, the U fifteen, U eighteen, they they're gelling together so well. But it's probably because a lot of them have been playing together for a number of years now. So as a whole, don't you think it's so great the organization, the progress that they've made on almost all levels, not just this summer, but you know the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, the the Warhawks organ as an organization isn't that old, you know. But a lot of these kids, uh, the core of this, the the, the U eighteen team has been playing together since the the start of the Warhawks program, right? So they're, they're uh, one of those teams that, you know, they, they all know how they all play and, you know, and they have chemistry and they're all, you know, very, very into the game. And I mean, you watch, you watch the, the this team and you can see that they're, they're very talented. They take the game seriously. I mean, uh, they're one of the few teams you see where the coaches are making signs to to them to uh, you know for different things uh, to make different calls and you know they're very good the U the U15 team they're I think they're in, in the same situation where where a lot of the core of the team has been playing together for a long time and they're they're very talented uh, they they have a bunch of new kids that are first or second year to the sport but they're they're playing very well together they're also gelling uh and and they were playing really well until they were moved up to a and then now they're back down in, in b and them too they they could very well end up in uh in a very good position at the end of the, the end of the playoffs it's it's really exciting to watch and we've already had the opportunity to see some really really exciting do or die games so far in the regionals and of course those will be continuing speaking of sports uh baseball minor baseball rather isn't the only sport on on the field these days of course we also have uh football coming back and that is right up mr mark lalone's alley absolutely it's probably the most exciting time of the year i know a lot of people think that christmas is the most wonderful time of the year but i would argue that the most wonderful time of the year is football season i tell my son that on the every week when we have a game and 
it's like Christmas morning, 10 weeks in a row. So for local football fans, there is no shortage of action uh, available to them. There's been some unfortunate turns of events uh, lately for local players. And I'm going to talk specifically about uh, the Shattagee Raiders folding their midget team. In, in the 60th year of Shattagee football and their 60th anniversary, they, it's the first time they've been unable to fo- uh, field a midget team. They only had about 14, 15 players signed up. So those 14 or 15 players are now moved on to LaSalle and moved on to Greenfield Park. I would say the, the large majority of the of the, the better players, uh, including Dudas Cross, have moved on to Greenfield Park playing for the Packers. And uh, that is actually, we're previewing what could be the midget football game of the year. The Lakeshore Cougars are traveling to Greenfield Park on Saturday night, where they will take on Cross and the Packers in what promises to be a very exciting football tilt. If you don't feel like you want to drive out to Greenfield Park, you can always check out Shattagee's games um, here at LaBerge Park. The Bantam Raiders are off to a 1-0 start. They're looking at a really good season right off the bat. Shattagee has successfully been able to put together a couple of great little Adam teams. And um, one of those is being coached by Jim Pitel, who has been a longtime coach in Shattagee for, I want to say, 35 years. And he's taken the reins of one of those Adam teams. It should be a lot of fun. So by the time this airs next Wednesday... Some of those games will have passed us by, unfortunately, but um, there will be some more action to check out on the weekly. I would advise anybody who's local, check out ShattagueeRaiders.com. It's got the schedule every week for what goes on at LaBear's Park, as well as for the Raiders road games. I absolutely cannot talk about summer sports without at least mentioning lacrosse. Yes. We haven't had <laughs> lacrosse the same way that we're, we're used to or the way we would like to, I should say, but we do have some form of lacrosse, right, Greg? Yes, there, there's actually two things we can talk about lacrosse-wise. There is currently on Monday nights, the Gunawaga Lacrosse League is is running. They have games at 6 and 7.30 at, at the town rink. It's an outdoor uh, you know, lacrosse league for, I think, the 16 and up. It's pickup games, uh, you know, a bunch of local players, and, and they're getting a lot of fans out there, and, and it's, it, it's, it's very exciting to watch i mean uh you get to see uh, you know players playing on teams that that are playing together that you don't ever get to see uh you know you know guys from the mohawks and guys from the indians you know playing on the same team guys from the hunters playing with you know older guys and then you got the the younger kids that haven't had the opportunity to play hunters uh yet or play mohawks indians uh you got some some older guys that haven't played in years uh you know out there playing uh you know you guys got, got you have guys like uh derek stacy and david mentor uh who, who are out there playing uh, you know, it, it's very exciting to watch. Uh, and then you see Trey Deer play uh, and, and, you know, and guys like Cayman Daibo and uh, Lewis Alfred Jr. Um, you know, those guys have, have very bright futures uh, ahead of them. They all just played in the Survivor's Cup, uh, the U19 Showcase uh, tournament that was held in, uh, in Aguazesne. Um, Trey Deer, of course, uh, played for the Junior A Orangeville uh, Northmen. He was drafted by them this year and Talking with uh, one of their coaches or scouts, uh, Nick Rose, the goaltender for the Toronto Rock, uh, he said that they're very pleased with his play. Uh, they see him as uh, having a bright and long future with uh, the Orangeville organization. And they're definitely seeing bright future for him uh, playing in the NLL. So, so, you know, that was really good to see him out there playing. I, I believe he had, uh, for the tournament, he was the captain of the, the Orangeville team. And then, uh, you know, Lelford Jr. and uh, Cayman Daibo played for the, uh, it was a mixed team of Gunawagi Hunters and Ogazasne Mohawk Medicine Men. Uh, you know, the, a team was, was thrown together. And those two players have also went to tryouts with uh, Orangeville. Uh, so, so they could be seeing some junior A 
action to uh, uh, next year and throughout their, their junior careers. So we're not necessarily without lacrosse. We still have lacrosse here this summer. So that's uh, that's definitely a good thing. And I know that's a good thing for you, Greg, because you <laughs> usually uh, have a full to the brim schedule yeah. when it comes to lacrosse in the summer. So, so if anybody wants to check out some fun lacrosse action, you know, go to the, the, the town rink on Monday nights, Monday evenings, uh, and, 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 you know, you'll be you'll be treated to uh, some some great lacrosse, you know, and, and, and it's the first time that we're seeing lacrosse played in the community like this since the the 2019 president's cup a lot of uh a lot, a lot of the the minor sports are are starting to wrap up as we we near the end of summer but that also means that it's time for the students to return to school mark i know you've been in touch with the education center following some updates but you've also been following updates outside of the community as well in regards to back to school so are you, could you fill us in a little bit about what's going on? That's uh, that's a tall order. And in fact, it's uh, that the timing could be better for that because, matter of fact, uh, outside Gunawage, Quebec, uh, Education Minister Jean-Francois Roberge made the announcement yesterday that uh, he would reverse course on an announcement he made a couple weeks ago and would uh, mandate students to wear masks in school, in class, as well in common areas starting this week, next week, whenever most Quebec students are back to school, which represents a change, but a precautionary measure, as I understand it, to help curb the spread of the very, very contagious Delta variant. We're seeing vaccination rates in the community as well as outside of the community climb higher every day. Very promising. On the other hand, people are very still nervous about the Delta variant. And so that is clouding a lot of the optimism that was being felt earlier in the summer as it pertained to, you know, removing restrictions, people getting back to quote unquote normal life and, and social time. So I believe the government is making a point that, that they're going to be better safe than sorry on this one. And uh, I feel like that's the right move, whether regardless of when it came. Right. And we've been getting some more, uh, recent updates from the Gunawage Education yeah. Center in terms of what's going to be happening in town. So maybe you could talk about some of the measures Absolutely. and things that will be implemented here. Yeah, like uh, like outside uh, the community, the, the KEC is going to mandate mask wearing in classrooms. Teachers are going to wear them, kids are going to wear them, and they have to wear them in common areas. They have, they've enacted a whole slew of other measures, but at this point, the KEC is pretty committed to keeping kids in school as, as long as they possibly can. And the, the, apparently the feedback from the community was very, very much in favor of getting kids in and keeping them in for their mental health, as well as their, you know, their, their social well-being. Because, you know, you're talking about children, little children who learn about the world around them through playing with their peers. And when, when, when that, that ability to, co to, to interact with their peers has been taken away through no, con you know, no control of their own. It, it, it has had a deleterious effect on kids. And for the large part, I believe KEC is making the right move here in airing, I think, more strongly on the side of caution and safety. With some of the measures, there's, um, you know, they're going to have unique entrance and exits. They're going to have uh, daily testing uh, for, for kids if there's any sort of issue that pops up. They're putting a policy in place for un unvaccinated staff, which is sort of in progress, which is the last sort of domino to fall. It would appear that, as I said, that they're erring on the side of caution and they're erring on the side of keeping kids in school. And I think for any parent in the community, that's that's a valuable thing. Oh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's mixed emotions, but I think uh, the start of a new school year always brings uh, a mixed bag of emotions as a, as a parent. But I think uh, collectively as a community this year, we're all kind of sharing a bit of, uh, you know, mm -hmm. a bit of nervousness, if you will, even though I, I have trust in the, the Ed Center because it's, they, you know, they're just following 
all of the of the rules, the measures, everything that's been laid out ahead of them. They're communicating with the community, and it's it's good to see. I think they're trying to give people a peace of mind if you are planning on on sending your child back into the classroom. However, I know the home learning program is still an option for for parents who who still mm-hmm. might be a little bit on on the fence. And of course, they're still recommending that you know the parents are are driving their their children to school. There's mm-hmm. bus services. However, they will be limited at least to begin. Something to take note of, though, for the uh, home learning program this year is that if a parent elects to put their kid in the home learning program, the collaboration levels on the on the on the parents' side are going to be increased, and they're going to be requiring a little bit more uh, interaction with the school and the parents. Just if any parents are going to explore that option, that's something they need to be aware of. Just moving over to the the Cattery food basket which is now the Orville stand-up memorial food basket. There was a recent name change recently, and there was also a location change. As we know, KSCS has been working closely with the Orville stand-up memorial food basket throughout the pandemic to deliver the emergency food basket, which has as many as 116 local families, because a lot of people, as we know, were, were not working because of the pandemic. So, of course, the, the need for those services increased uh, pretty significantly because I believe before that time, the food basket on its own was looking at about 70 local families. So you went from about 70 or so families to closer to the 120 mark. And during that time, of course, they were operating out of the, uh, the Knights of Columbus Hall because it would, to meet a bigger demand. However, now the food basket is just shuffling on over to uh, Nolan's Mall. They're going to be in uh, unit number four. They're hoping to officially open from that location uh, early in September, but they are looking for back to school donations specifically for our children. So that includes a lot of uh, healthy lunch snacks, of course, peanut free snacks, individually packaged snacks, some juice boxes. So if you are looking to make some donations and help out the food basket, you could drop that off right over at Noel, even though they're not officially open at that location yet. Uh, the administrator, Corey Rice, said that they'd love to accept donations for the, the local children. That's awesome. Have you guys had the opportunity to check out any of Reservation Dogs? Yes, I, I, I was able to see it in the first two episodes. The, the, the entire season will be premiering on Star through Disney Plus, uh, I believe on September 1st. So as you're listening to this podcast, it should be available, if not very soon thereafter. And, you know, it's just it's, it's such a fun show. Uh, it's a really fun show. You know, and it stars Gonwagerdonu, uh Devery Jacobs, uh, who was also featured, uh, you know, did a, did an interview with us on, on this podcast uh just as uh as the show was about to premiere, uh talking about her experiences. Check it out on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts because it's uh you know, she talks about working with uh Taika Waititi, uh, you know, working on the show. It's a very great, good show because it showcases a lot of, of our humor uh, and, and a lot of our jokes, uh, you know, it's one of those shows that, that is almost entirely done with an Indigenous cast and Indigenous crew and, and, and people behind the scenes. I'm glad that you mentioned the our humor being included in the show, Greg, because that's one of the things that I noticed is that hearing certain jokes or little quips are things that you could probably hear in your own household or somewhere in the community. So that always gave me a really good laugh to see our humor, if you will, presented on such a large scale. Yeah. And to see so many indigenous people uh, working on, on a production like this and, and working with 
one of one of the the hot directors in Hollywood uh, in, in Taika Waititi and Sterling Harjo, uh, you know, they co-created this this series together. It's just amazing. I mean, you know, you look at, you know, uh, earlier this year on uh, NBC's uh, Peacock uh, streaming service with uh, Rutherford Falls, uh, you know, starring Ed Helms, uh, you know, and Gowen Hardy was also in that show. Uh, which was also one of the writers is uh, Gordon LeClaire from uh, from Gunawange. You know, it, this is now, you know, we're seeing a, a, a change in the narrative. 30 years ago, you know, the, the big story was the big movies, uh, you know, involving indigenous people, The Last of the Mohicans, Dances with Wolves. Uh, and those were all always told from the perspective of the non-native seeing into an indigenous community and indigenous culture. In this instance, you know, with Reservation Dogs and, and Rutherford Falls, we're seeing the Indigenous perspective told through Indigenous eyes and to, told through Indigenous voices, which is way more important than anything else in, because it, it, it's ourselves telling our stories in our ways and telling them to a non-Indigenous audience. And, you know, it shows that we're here, that our stories matter and that they're important and and they're just as funny they're just as as comical as 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 anybody else's and uh they deserve to be told in, in the way that we see fit and and that's something that Ganya Dia Horn actually spoke about too when she was a recent uh, guest on one of our Yuri was a podcast was that she's been in the entertainment industry for probably like 17 years yeah, almost, <laughs> almost almost the, close to two decades yeah, yeah. and yeah. and she talked about seeing that narrative change now like within the last couple of years and just to see how many not on the indigenous scale it's great to see that but just to see how many just from Gunawage alone are making it in the bigs out there yeah it's fantastic you know and and, and you know she she talked ganadio talked about uh you know she's she's on letter kenny and she plays uh you know uh, a mohawk woman a gang leader uh you know she uses a lot of mohawk phrases and and, and you know you, you see some of her humor come out through that and then she's also going to be producing uh a letter kenny spinoff called shorzy i'm looking forward to that too one of the funniest characters from the show, and I, I'm so glad they're going to be doing a spinoff, but I'm even more glad that Ganyadio is going to be involved in yeah. that spinoff. Of course, uh, whenever we get together, we have to talk about the ongoing pandemic, Greg, and uh, the Delta variant has been uh, perhaps the most prominently spoken of aspect of, of this particular virus as of late. So is there anything? Uh... Yeah, over the last several months, uh, we've been you know very relaxed, I think, as a community and, and not, not just here in Kanawagi, but, but, but all over the place. Uh, you know, seen numbers plummet because of vaccinations and, and, and whatnot. But over the last several weeks, as the Delta variant is now picking up steam uh, in North America, uh, of course, the Delta variant was originally seen in India. And, you know, now we're, we're, we're seeing that that because it, it's a more contagious version of the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. The vaccines are, are, are effective, but uh, it's still also, you know, more contagious. So and, and, and the more people that are that it, it seems to be affecting the people who aren't vaccinated. Uh, I mean, there was a recent outbreak of about 20 people in, in the community, and I believe all but two people were, were had been vaccinated or partially vaccinated that, that were a part of that, that cluster, and the rest were were unvaccinated. And, and it was, of course, it was the Delta variant that was affecting these people. And, you know, if it, we're seeing the numbers in Quebec uh, rise, you know, in, in June, in May and June, we're seeing, uh, you know, maybe you know, 50, 60 uh, new positive cases a day. 
Uh, people were very uh, enthusiastic and, 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 and all right, we're, we're nearing the end of this. And then uh, just this week, uh, we're seeing almost 600 new cases per day. Uh, so so it, it, it is a concern. The, the Quebec government has uh, made the unpopular decision to, to implement uh, vaccination passports, which I believe is the wrong name for it. it, you know, but it's a proof of vaccination. And then, of course, the public safety in the Cater Memorial Hospital Center uh, has opted to, to also uh, say that vaccination passports should be implemented in Ganawage for, for certain businesses, because if it's implemented in Quebec and it's not implemented in the community, they don't want to see it our restaurants, bars, gaming establishments overrun with masses of unvaccinated people that which which could pro- pose a risk to the community. So there's a lot a lot going on with that uh you know hopefully uh you know and that's that's I think at, at the back of of everybody's minds are now actually now it's at the front of everybody's minds as we're as we're hitting back to school. You know because we're in a situation where numbers are rising as schools coming uh, coming in and we, which we seen, which we saw last year, kids went back to school for, uh, for a month, uh, three weeks to a month. And then everything was shut back down because of the rising numbers. And we definitely don't want to see that again, because, you know, we have to get back to a normal sort of life, right? Back to school is one of those things. People back, being back in the office is another one of those things. Um, but again, we have to do it in a, in, in, in a manner that, that, that's safe that that we're not going to contribute to the spread of this virus. Absolutely, Greg. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was going to say, you know, seeing minor sports and and hearing about back to school, minor hockey registrations, uh figure skating registrations, it is all starting to feel like it's getting closer and closer to to a normal, if you will. But with that being said, is there anything that you guys might be looking forward to for the month of uh, September? Uh, you know, I think seeing uh, kids back on the ice uh, for for minor hockey as they prepare for the seasons to start in in, in uh, October, I think that's one of the big things. Uh, you know, and then just seeing kids, you know, back doing normal things, and then hopefully that means a return to high school sports as well, and and different things, and uh, you know, it's just stuff like that. You know, and of course, uh, probably going to be checking out some. Uh, uh, some minor football uh, over the next few weeks and, uh, you know, whatever else is going on. And Mark, what are you uh, looking forward to? Uh, like Greg, I think that it's a pretty, pretty exciting time of the year for minor sports. I will also be checking out, if not a ton of Raiders games, at the very least, I'll be checking out a Raiders game a week for the next little while because that's just a fun way for me to spend an afternoon. I'm looking forward to hockey season starting and September 1st, I'm going to be binge watching uh, the whole season of Reservation Dogs in my basement. So anybody wants to join me, they're more than welcome. And of course, as uh, updates continue to happen and things continue to return more to normal, as we, as I'm sure we're hoping, uh, keep it locked to your ears eh, so we can continue to provide you with all of that coverage. So gentlemen, I would like to thank you once again for joining me today. Always a pleasure. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you very much. Yawago for listening. Yuriwaze would like to thank the Community Media Strategic Support Fund for supporting this initiative. 